0: Hello at Watch Forest Focus, something different today as we occasionally like to do, and today I'm joined by Ian Finch. He's a BAFTA winning producer and director, and though you might not know his work, you'll have seen it if you've ever watched major sporting events on the BBC, ITV, TNT Sports, including the Olympic Games, the World Cup, Super Bowl, the Euros, or Match of the Day. But most importantly, he's a Forest fan. Ian, uh, good morning, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Um... We'll get into all the TV stuff and everything, uh, obviously. But what's your what's your forest story? Is it a family thing? Were you born and raised in the city? How did it all come about that you're a Reds fan? Um, well, I was born in
1: Grimsby, um, and then my cousins are from Nottingham, so they live in Wollaton. So I've been going to Nottingham all my life. Um, so I knew, I knew the city quite well and always loved it there. But. Um, really have a team when i was younger you know i sort of like watched watched football but didn't really support anybody as such i think my dad was going to take me to see grimsby one day and leeds came the night before and smashed the town up so um it kind of put him off and he was never like a massive football going person so i never got taken to a game i don't want people to feel sorry for me but then i went to college in southampton and started just going down and watching them at the dell um but didn't really get bitten by the bug, you know, I sort of enjoyed the games, but I didn't really fall in love with Southampton or anything. Uh, then when I was at college I got meningitis. So I had to take about two months off and then I had to restart my degree again because I'd, I'd missed too much. So then I went to Nottingham, which is where I always wanted to go anyway, and started watching Forest. And don't know, just something just clicked straight away. Like the first game I went to was like a two-all draw with Arsenal and we came out of it. This is in 94, I think. And then I came out of it and just said, let's go again next week, you know, and then it was it switched the following week and just uh, something just instantly felt right, you know, and I've sort of followed them ever since. I've, I've missed all the glory days, obviously, and um, I thought for a long time I was like a, a bad luck omen as well because we had so many years of being crap, but then, you know, we're getting the rewards now and I hope it just continues.
0: Yeah. There will be thousands of us who thought that we're we're the reason that uh, it's all gone so wrong. I remember taking my now wife to the playoff semi-final, first leg against Sheffield United. And then um, I said she couldn't come to a game again until we got promoted after that 2003 (laughs) defeat. So she's not been in 20 years, but she's quite happy about it, I think, to be honest. My wife's Um, always been. She'd never really seen us win. She came to one game with me and that was when we got promoted from League
1: One on that bizarre day when everything went right. Yeah, um, but then usually she's just like, "Why do you put yourself through it?" You know that Luton game when we were two 0 up. Yeah, she was just like, she saw me like distraught. She goes, "Why do you put yourself through it?" And I'm like, "Well, you've got to have the lows to, exp- you know, to enjoy the highs, haven't you?" So I think if you're yeah. like a City fan or a Liverpool fan, it can't be the same when you win, can it? Because you're no. so used to winning, you could, you've I think you've got to be miserable most of the time to enjoy the the high points, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, watching Man City games this season or any season, and it's so quiet, unless they're playing, that Chelsea think. game was good. But yeah, you know, oh, we've just scored against Burnley, rah, rah. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of would be a bit bored supporting them. Uh, and I find their football a bit boring as well now these days. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Um, you've got a great career. Um, how did you get into it? You know, Obviously, you've done really well for yourself, but how did you get that TV bug? Um, Well, I always, as a kid, I wanted to
1: be like a a Radio 1 DJ, like Papa Doodle do. So I always wanted to do telly or radio or something. So I'd always been fascinated by that. And then when I was at university in Nottingham, for our dissertation, we had to either write 15,000 words, which I'm useless at because I do a word count and I've only done 10,000. So I just go back and put loads of adjectives in, you know. And it was either that or you can make a film. So I decided to make a film about how, the Taylor report had changed safety at grounds following Hillsborough. So I got in touch with Forrest and um, Frank Clark um, got me down there and I did an interview with him. Um, And I did like filming behind the scenes for the day, uh, post-match interviews with players and things like that. And then finished the film, sent it off to the BBC, never heard anything. Sent it off to Sky and they um, said, come in and we want to have a chat with you. And they gave me a job off the back of it. And that was a Derby fan that gave me that job, so it must have been quite a good video.
0: Um, I don't want you to blow your own trumpet, obviously, but I was saying that uh, you've you've won a uh, a BAFTA, um, which is amazing. Can you give viewers and listeners some context of to kind of what stuff you've worked on then uh, throughout your career?
1: Uh, yeah, so I was at Sky for two years, then I went to BBC, and I was there for nineteen years until I went freelance. And at the Beeb, I sort of did. I've done six World Cups, six Euros, a couple of Olympic Games, and then um, Super Bowl every year since, what, 2008. And then as a freelancer, I still do NFL and I do a match a day. But then I also do things like Champions League for TNT. I was doing that this week and some Premier League for them as well. And then I do, like, non-sporty stuff as well. So in two weeks, I'm doing crofts, which is always a good laugh um hence the dog behind me um and then um there's a, a re- there's a show made in manchester called morning live which goes out after breakfast on bbc one so i'm doing a bit of that next week so yeah a bit of everything really
0: gosh um i mean obviously it sounds great and everyone says my job sounds great but there are highs and lows of every job i mean you know you must travel the world a lot which is is great is it was a, it's probably not a family friendly job i guess is it
1: no like if you go to a major tournament, you're away for six weeks, which is um you have to have a very understanding forgiving family really. I mean, I've got two kids. one of the reasons I went freelance was just because i was I was working up every weekend and I wanted to be in control of my days, really, so I try not to work as many weekends anymore um but yeah, those big events you're our away for a long time, and even now i'm I'm away I was away for three nights this week in London for Champions League because I live in Manchester. So, yeah, it's it's tricky, but it's just, as a freelancer, you can try and balance your own
0: diary a bit more and try and hopefully see the kids a bit more. I suppose the flip side of that is, though, you know, the kid from Grimsby has now travelled to, I don't know, South Africa, Germany, Korea. I'm trying to think where Olympics and World Cups have been. But Brazil, yeah. you've seen the world. I mean, what are some of the most memorable uh, trips and tournaments that you've covered? Um, I think Brazil... World Cup was
1: pretty good, even even despite the fact English England were rubbish. Um, mm. We had a sort of a, a budget hotel, but it was right on the beach at Ipanema, so it was like it wasn't bad waking up to that every day for six weeks. And those and they're really they're a really good t- uh, team out there as well. So every, you know you do the shows, but then everybody's out every night and enjoy themselves. You know, so they're, they're good trips to be on. Um, and probably the most memorable game I've worked on was the England. Germany won me and my mate Coley did replays for that but you know it sounds glamorous that you go into all these events but generally you're sat in a truck in the car park so you don't really get to be right right at the heart of it and I've managed to do a couple of Forest games as well so I did the uh the game where we beat Leicester in the FA Cup last year that was amazing because you know you didn't know what to expect and then it's just trying to. I thought well I'll try and keep it Keep the tone down, you know, whenever we score. But I didn't. I just lost it every time. Screamed in poor old Mark Chapman's ear, you know. Um, and then I did the game against Arsenal for TNT the other week as well, which didn't go as well. But it's great just to get to be able to wander around the city ground and have a little wander up the tunnel with your pass. You know, it's great. Little added bonus. What is the
0: the job uh, basically that you do then? Because I've been, I remember years ago, I took a tour of the Sky Truck uh, Uh, Mm -hmm. test match and there's um, so many cameras and so many people Um, and what in layman's terms what is that you actually do as the producer or the director depending which which hat you got on
1: uh yeah well there's generally if for example match of the day there's three people talking in gary lindica's ear one is the program editor and he sort of discusses what they talk about and how long they're going to talk about it and you know sort of the key points really then there's the pa who does all the timings and she makes sure that they keep on time and she tells the editor when they're when they're up the the time's up and they've got to move on and then there's me that basically tells them what camera to talk to and then i do i float in all the vts and i sort of um send a list of graphics of all the images you want in the studio so i sort of direct the cameras and um and then when you're on an OB as well, you, you'll have extra things. You'll have, you'll have match cameras. So you, you're shooting warm-ups and picking out players and things like that, and then cueing the commentators. But then when you actually, you know, the actual match happens, it's generally somebody else actually cutting the game itself. I do all the, the pre, pre-game, pre the half-time,
0: and the full-time. Mm. It's. Um, I mean, I was covering cricket, and it's, well, watching cricket, and it seemed chaotic, and that's pretty slow and sedate sport. But yeah. in the heat of the battle when it's football, it's... I mean, it must be. Is it all all go, or is it kind of an adrenaline rush as well? uh, Being, you know, saying do this, do that, do this, do that to everyone.
1: Yeah, it can be. I mean, especially when you're doing like TNT, like half time, you've only half time lasts two and a half minutes because of the ad breaks they've got to get in. So it's just you basically come out that ad break and it's just bang straight into first analysis, then the next, then the next, and then you throw into another break. So it's, but but their their build ups tend to be sort of an hour long. Whereas mm. if you do a live game for match a day, you probably only get 15 minute build up. But so it's, it can vary, you know, but it's, uh yeah, it's good fun. I mean, you get that adrenaline kick every time. Like when I come back from doing match a day, I can't get out of bed. I'll just sit up and have a beer or a glass of wine. I'll sit up till two in the morning because you're still sort of buzzing a bit, even after all these years, you know.
0: That was one thing I was going to ask you, Mary. I mean, you, uh you work with some big names, obviously Gary, Lineker, Alan Shearer, Darren Fletcher, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember I don't really get starstruck now. I was trying to think of the last person I got starstruck interviewing, and it might be Stuart Broad, years ago when I was doing cricket a lot. Um mm-hmm. has that worn off for you now, even though you're meeting England football legends week after week?
1: Yeah, I think it was it was weird the first time when I was new at um bbc and i went to work on football focus and lineker was presenting at the time and just to walk into the tuesday meeting and seeing like the guy you'd watch bang all these goals in for england for years sat at a table so that was a that was a weird one at first now i went on my first ever ob which was blackburn i think they were qualifying for the champions league so that shows you how long ago that was um and after the game um everybody stayed up far too long in the bar. And I went to bed thinking, there's no way I'm going to make breakfast. But I thought, well, I'm the new kid. I've got to turn up for breakfast. It'll it'll look bad. So I got up. And I was the only one who got up apart from Des Lynham and John Motson. So I ended up having brekkie with them too. And it was just, that was a bit of a, you know. But generally, I don't really, you know, I don't really get starstruck as such, you know. I think I would if I met like Dave Grohl or something like that. But uh, as far as football is concerned, you meet so many of them, it's like, yeah, it's no problem really.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, we will talk about match of the day then, but before we do that, uh let's just give a plug for our sponsors, the Trent Navigation as ever. Uh Sunday uh is obviously Sunday roast where you get uh locally sourced meat, but also uh in the evening, 7 pm, there's a quiz every Sunday, which I think we might go to. Or it's talking about getting a team together, because I think Greg goes regularly. Uh I think the prize is currently 175 quid the jackpot. But yeah, we'll hopefully go down there ourselves one day. So thanks as ever to the Trent Navigation for their sponsorship. Right. Um one of the this came about sort of because of match of the day at the weekend when uh Nico Williams's penalty wasn't discussed. And I saw you on Twitter trying to explain um mm-hmm. why it wasn't. So we'll get to that. But obviously, match of the day, the running order, the discussions, what the pundits say seems to be like one of the most talked about things on Saturday nights. So I want to break that all down. But how does match of the day work um, from start to finish in terms of uh, do the pundits watch like one game here, one game on another screen there? Or do they go back and watch it later? Just how do they actually see the matches and all that kind of stuff, first of all?
1: Um, so we've got a production room which has got loads of big screens um some of them are like you know quad splits whatever but we've we've got all the games on there so um everybody will get in in time for the early game and um both pundits will watch that and they've got two analysis producers with them as well all day um and then say for the three o'clock games they're all up there i mean we will sort of decide beforehand like which games the uh pundits are going to focus on but they'll take two or three each you know so they'll have we'll sign the screen so that it's all in their eyeline and so everybody's sort of watching everything and occasionally you'll just get like a shout of like goal and it's like where where you know you're just trying to find out where the goal is so all the games are, are watched and the analysis producers are making notes um and then at halftime they'll have a little discussion about what their thinking is you know for example on saturday I was saying, well, it's quite obvious that Tavares and Hudson-Odoi are doing, you know, linking really well on the left. So that's where all the danger seems to be coming at the moment. So, you know, they start making a few notes and start pulling a few things together, and then the second half, luckily, that continued. So they were able to make a piece out of that. But sometimes they might focus on a player at half time, and then it's they might not do anything in the second half, so they have to change their analysis. And then at the end of each game. Um, they just have a discussion with a program editor and they decide what analysis runs they're going to do really
0: hmm. so is it all quite collaborative that, or or do you yeah, find, yeah. yeah, sometimes like you're saying oh we we need two more minutes of forest because of like uh, with your own bias maybe you know yeah. we need more of this and more of that and or does it all come you know, together quite seamlessly in the end well things my, my role is the director, so I direct what they
1: want to put on the screen so i even though I will chip away at the editor and say, oh, you know have a Although Murillo's looking good today or whatever, (laughs) he he generally takes it with a pinch of salt because he knows that obviously I'm, you know, he doesn't hear me pushing Palace players or things like that. So, yeah. yeah, So I don't necessarily have much say in what is discussed, but I will try and push it a little bit if I can. Um, And then after all the games, um, the guys will have something to eat. They'll go through, they'll look at the analysis, um, run through it about nine o'clock. That's when I go into the studio, check all the images that we've, Prepared to make it sure you know place all the graphics, and make sure it all looks good. then will come in about half nine um we'll record like the links for the morning repeat um do his trail, which goes out just before the news, and then we'll rehearse guys are getting about twenty past quarter past ten, and then you go live and then when the show is actually on, while we're showing the match edits because we've seen all the games, we don't need to see them again, so we just at that point we run through the runs of analysis and Gary will say, right, well, I'll say to you, who are you focusing on today? And then the pundits will sort of run through their analysis so we know exactly what they're going to talk about. Um, and then when the show is actually happening, sometimes things can run long, things can go over, and that's where our analysis starts getting squeezed and chopped. And that's what happened with Nico and um, Calvin Phillips on Saturday. We did that nice run on Tavares and um, hudson Adoy. But there was like the, there was no more time to actually do any more, and I think because the game was one two nil, even though it was annoying and everybody knew it should have been a pen for Nico, it didn't affect the result of the game, which was the argument was given back to me when I was going. You've got to do Nico, but yeah, so it's frustrating at times when you can't. We haven't got the time to talk about everything. Whereas on match of day two, you get six or seven minutes out of every game. Whereas on Saturday. Sometimes, if you're at the back end of the program, you might only get a minute and a half, or even a minute. So it's it's a tricky balance, and nobody's. I, I doubt West Ham fans were happy either because we didn't do the red card, and some people have suggested that it might have been a little soft. So you know, you can't win, really, can you?
0: No, no, true. How's the running order decided then? Because if, sometimes it looks like to fans, oh, it's always Man United, or it's always the big club. Is it? Is it? Is that? You know, cynically, is that a factor because more fans of those clubs are watching, or is it more like, oh, these are just the most entertaining games? Let's put, let's put this one up. It's it's gen it's genuinely a
1: mix of what is the best game and also the story. So, for example, this Saturday, gone all three title contenders were playing at three o'clock, which is or sorry, all playing on a Saturday, which is quite rare, really. So, even though the City game was a draw, because you'd shown the other two, it was just basically a chronological thing of this is what's happened in the title race and then the next game I think was Wolves Tottenham which obviously Wolves good result for them winning way. then it was us um, and I think was it Newcastle were down near the end of the show I'm not sure but yeah it tends to be a mix of the best game hence it being called match of the day and also what's happening whether it's a, a title race or it's a relegation battle you know and draws tend to be at the end of the show because we like people winning games of football
0: i suppose as forest fans we want to be at the end of the show because boring mid-table games with not so much on the line are probably the way you want to be yeah. in our situation if you've got kids you get a line on a sunday morning because you don't
1: have to get up for the start of the show bonus <laughs> True. um yeah but then the but the running order is dictated to by program editor he'll he'll decide the running order and then he'll run it by gary and gary might go "Mm, you know i think that one should be above that one and they'll have a discussion but yeah again i'm doing a little nudge in the ribs but i don't get anywhere
0: does each game get a set amount of time every week then so obviously the first game is that like okay we're going to have seven minutes highlights interviews five minutes of analysis and then it dwindles down from there is that is there a set structure in that sense then um, yeah, the, well, the better the game is,
1: the more time it'll be given, you know, and mm. producers, there's a producer assigned to each edit and they will speak to the program editor and say, look, I, I've got another couple of chances here. I'm desperate to get in. Can I have another 30 seconds? So it's quite a flexible thing. I mean, there will, I mean, the running order for this weekend, for example, there, there might be an order in there of what you think the best games are, but then it can get completely turned on its head. You know, sometimes... Like a Manchester Derby, it can be hyped up to like beyond all recognition, and it can be an absolute dud. And I've seen games like that be last on the show. So it it is basically whatever, whatever how good the games are dictate the running order. Really,
0: mm-hmm. I wasn't didn't think of this before I asked you, but do you know how FA Cup games are decided then as well? Because that's another source of gripe for fans. Is that who makes those decisions? Um. People way above my pay grade. Um <laughs> I, I, and
1: and there's also it flip flops between ITV and BBC who gets first pick. Mm. And then there's also other factors involved as in the police won't sanction games at a certain time. Um just because you know they've got they've got another event on in the same city or something like that. So I mean we're on the telly on Wednesday, aren't we? Uh I
0: don't know. actually, if we yeah, are. Man
1: United I game. Like it. no, it's
0: like
1: on it. BBC excellent excellent are you doing that one no nah, i'm doing morning live the next morning so i've got to be up at five <laughs> i'll be watching it there don't worry uh
0: last one on tv before we get into a bit of forest chat i mean do you kind of just i don't want to blow smoke up linica's ass and uh, the other guy mark chapman who i think is great as well but the the job they do i think is is really impressive i've got one gripe about linica which i'll tell you uh, and it's <laughs> not political obviously but the job they do i think it's really impressive like Because it's so fast moving, Uh, and Chapman, Mark Chapman on the radio is great as well. I mean, you must just uh, be—this is such a softball question, but you must be really impressed with just how good they are at it, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Chappers lives just down the
1: road from me over here. Actually, he's a lovely guy. No, they're both really good. It's just they're the sort of presenters you can just—you know—you don't almost you don't need to direct because they're just so good at it. Like Claire Balding as well, for example, you can just point a camera and she'll just go off, and you can go for a cup of tea. She's that good, you know. But yeah, they're but they're both great at the job. And Chappers is just like encyclopedia on every sport, isn't he? I used to do the um, American football with him, and he was just so good on that. He just knew all the ins and outs.
0: No, they're great. Let me tell you my one. The gripe. Go on. Then. Uh, here. I'll um, text him. No, please. <laughs> 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 Arsenal have just won 5-0 and I spoke with Mikel Arteta after the game and he always speaks to the manager who's at the absolute tonking win for the most easy interview you can get uh, that's my only gripe with Gary Lineker it's like oh here's Vincent Company out who just got absolutely battered again Vincent why haven't you been sacked yet that's kind of my my only yeah. gripe with Gary Lineker but they're not going they're not going they're not
1: going to get thump 5-0 and then come out for a chat are they no no I know because they're just, know. Uh, yeah yeah you I mean, basically, with those those two ways you can only really do them on the games where we're in control of them. Because on the Saturday, BBC will do two or three of those three o'clock games, and Sky will do the other ones. So it pretty much has to be a BBC OB that we can we can request a two way really.
0: Good. So let's move yeah. on to some forest chat. I know Emily told me to go really hard at you on match of the day, and I don't know if I really did. So I might have the wrath of her on WhatsApp afterwards. yeah, I'm not in charge of it.
1: I just come in and point the cameras, I tell you. But I do fight for Forest. I promise you. I, I sit at home when I'm not working on it, and I get frustrated like the rest of you. You know when Bolly got sent off? Hmm. And I think there was some joke that was made about, oh, maybe you just wanted Christmas off. And I was like, <laughs> I went in and I complained. I went in on Boxing Day, and I said to the editor, I said, that really pissed me off, that did. And he was just like, oh, he's so touchy, he's so sensitive. you know. And when Danilo, Danilo didn't get in goal of the month this month as well, I've complained about that. So, yeah, I do fight Forest Corner, but there's 19 other teams that they've got to worry about as well. So they can't just favour us all the time.
0: True, true. Well, I thought it was really interesting insight. So thank you very much for that, Ian. Um, how are you feeling about the season then in terms of where we're heading it seems to flip week to week right? like we lose to Newcastle it's doom and gloom this is mm-hmm. me as well really and we beat West Ham and we're all feeling good and now we're just worried about ffp points deductions um but how are you feeling in general about the season
1: yeah i think that's it isn't it we just, because we don't know what's going on with the ffp thing it's just you don't know how many points you're going to need i think if that wasn't a factor i think we'd be absolutely fine especially now things seem to be turning a bit of a corner I mean that front four we've got are just smashing it every week. They're amazing, and then Marillo and Felipe together were amazing on, on the weekend. Sel seems to have um, given everybody a bit of calm and composure at the back, whereas every time the ball went back to poor old Turner before, you could sense the panic, couldn't you? It was so. I think, yeah, I think I, it's, it. I think we'll we'll know a lot more when Everton's appeal is finally announced which was due this week isn't it at some point because that'll give a sense of if we were to get any points docked how you know what we could get it reduced to by appeal i mean i think the the fairest thing because it looks it looks as if it was it, it we haven't like broken the rules massively have we it's just it's that sort of moving the brennan transfer to when you can get an extra 17 18 million pound which makes sense to me so I think the fairest option would maybe sort of a financial sort of wrap on the knuckles and maybe a suspended points thing and basically by saying, well, if you do it again in two years, we'll apply the points deduction, but suspend them for now.
0: Yeah, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Because I really want to get the result of this Everton appeal because if Mm. it's reduced, then it makes me much more comfortable that Forrest will get a lower sanction. But if it's not reduced and then Everton are getting more points thrown at them, and it makes me really worried we're going to get something mad like 10 points. And then I'm really worrying. But then if Everton get more and we can still finish above Burnley and Sheffield United and Everton. Yeah, my, we'll
1: worry, my worry is more about next season. Because if you look at the three that are probably going to come up, they're the three that went down last year. And um, they've obviously got the parachute payments. So they they can still be invested in their squad. They kept most of their team together. They've got that Premier League experience. We can't rely on three teams being... Crap like we we kind of we if we stay up this year, having not played brilliantly we'll have i think we'll have kind of got away with it because of the three teams below us I don't think you can rely on that, especially not next year, so I'd hope that we start to push on a bit,
0: yeah, I think that's fair. I know a few few Leicester fans who say their team they would say this but they, they say their team's better than it was last season. I'm not sure if yeah. that's right. They've lost Madison and Tielemans, but I've also heard Leeds fans say the same. So how far away do you think we are then from a mid-table Premier League team in terms of the eleven? Are you so sort of like oh seven of our eleven are mid-table players, or is it a bit further away than that? Do you think? I think it's I think we're not that far away. You know, it's just it's because.
1: It tends to be just like silly mistakes, doesn't it? And like um, set pieces that are costing us. Um, I think if everybody plays to their, to their maximum ability like they did at West against West Ham and like they did against Villa and against United, well, that dodgy goal aside, and Newcastle away, then I can see no reason why we can't be, you know, Nudging the top half of the table, you know, it's just not this season necessarily. But if if it all comes together next year, well, I mean, we're not that far away. If you look at the the starting eleven, there aren't many holes, are there? There's not, there's not many spots where you think, oh, we desperately need a better left back, or we desperately need a, a better defensive midfielder. It all seems to be
0: there. I think the tools are there to do the job. I think you're right I'm interested to see how Matt Sells goes and hopefully so far so good but hopefully he answers the goalkeeping question for next season yeah probably um, doing another striker
1: as well though, I think I, I, I was kind of surprised I know we brought in Ribeiro but I, I was quite surprised that um, they didn't go for another striker just because without Tywa, we're a little light aren't we especially with Chris Wood being injured
0: yeah it'd be really interesting in the summer I was talking to someone who said uh, they think we should put almost all our budget into buying a a top striker, Mm -hmm. even with Tywo, because they don't trust him to stay fit. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think we'll see loads of turnover in defence in the summer. I mean, I think Marino will be here next year, but I think three of the back four will be different next year because that's the forest way. But yeah, that midfield, that attack is, to me, is like where we need to be. I mean, how are you feeling about specifically the next two games? Because we've got Villa on Saturday and then the FA Cup. I'm not really to discuss the FA Cup yet. Yeah. I mean, are you really uh, are you getting a, an interest in it now in terms of going all the way to Wembley? Because we've been so focused on relegation. But uh, mm. does you know, does the FA Cup interest you now? We get a little yeah. bit further in the competition. Yeah, I
1: just I just don't want it to get in the way of the league form. For example, mm. when we had that replay against Bristol City. Knowing that you had Newcastle three or four days later, you knew that the players were going to be knackered, especially having gone to extra time again. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and Villa as well. I mean, just we've obviously done them once this season. I, I think had we not beaten West Ham, I wouldn't be as confident. But I think we can go there and get something. Mm. I don't see any reason why not. We've got, we've certainly yeah. got the firepower power to do it. It's just again, it's just being switched on at the back, isn't it?
0: Yeah, those XG stats that have come out. Recently, around, you know, we are actually really secure at the back apart from uh, set pieces, um, mm-hmm. yeah, which do count. Uh, it's a bit like the government saying crime's gone down apart from fraud. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> which, and all uh, of that was them. <laughs> that's Sorry not the view of this dead, podcast. No, funny. no, that's fine. <laughs> not necessarily the view of this podcast, certainly. Um, uh... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I was going to ask a couple of other quick questions around Forrest. I mean, if you were, this is really effectively who's your favourite player, but if you were producing a highlight reel of uh, any of the Forest players, which ones would you want to make an all-singing, all-dancing song about? Which ones really are you a big fan of?
1: We don't want to sing about them too much because somebody else will nick them. I mean, yeah. Murillo is exceptional, isn't he? That tackle on Antonio was like, it was like Bobby Moore, wasn't it? It was, that was, it was so good. Yeah, so Murillo's fantastic. Um Gibbs White, I love, he frustrates me at times when he does a little flick when he could do a nice simple ball. Um, Hudson odois coming into his own, isn't he? He's sort of, he's, he's flying. I might put him on my fantasy team this week, actually. He's, he's got, isn't he? He's got like, he's one of the top five scorers in the past three weeks or something. I might drop him in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Alanga's been a, a revelation as well, hasn't he? And then the, the pace of that boy is unbelievable. It's just like seeing him sprint down the down the field is something else. And Taiwo, obviously, we love him. I could I could name them all, you know. I think there's there's nobody. Now we've got Bend of Shelby. There's there's nobody that I that I don't like, you know. So
0: it's it's, yeah. it's a good team. I think Taiwo might come into my my fancy team soon, but um, yeah, I like then Hudson adoy and Ilanga. Mm. I mean, when Ilanga arrived. I just thought he's going to be um, slightly erratic bench option for six months, and then we'll see how he goes. But he's really surprised me. You you probably saw quite a lot of him actually doing TV for Man U and Champions League stuff. Has he surprised you how much he stepped up? Yeah, we didn't really get a sniff properly at United, did he?
1: He's just he's one of them players that was overshadowed. And I mean, when we signed him, it's like, well, you know, it's only fifteen million, isn't it? And he'll be—he didn't seem like a like a direct replacement for. Breno did he he's like you didn't think that he would be up to his level but I think as far as that assists and goals he's he's surpassed what Brennan did last year hasn't he so I think yeah he's he's been an absolute
0: steal really Hmm. the transfer coverage is interesting I mean working in the media um what do you think the media what do you make of what the media make of us do they see yeah. us as a bit of a funny oddity? Do you think, with all the signings and the larger-than-life owner and all that kind of thing, do the media really get us? Because the Forest fans get uh, a gripe that um, it's all a bit ill-informed, and you know they just the pundits just watch the big six clubs and say what say some stuff about us without really researching it. I'm not asking you speak yeah. to the whole media, but what's your take on the way we're covered uh, in the wider broadcast and and written press? Yeah, I think last year they just
1: expected us to go down, didn't they, with with a whimper.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I think that just sort of like put a, people, a few people's noses out, just the fact that we actually went for it and we're trying to be ambitious. And I don't see why why people should be ridiculing that. you know. And I think a lot of it might be down to jealousy, like the fact that we've got an ambitious owner and he's spending money and there's a lot of clubs out there that, you know, their their owners aren't going out there into the market and splashing all this cash, you know. So yeah, there's a degree of jealousy there, and also yeah, it's just like you never hear the positive side of it, do you? The fact that I didn't Colin Frey say something like, since the end of last season, Forrest have either uh, terminated contracts, loaned out, or sold more than forty players. Hmm. Like and everybody's going, oh yeah, Forest are buying all these players. Well, hang on a minute, we've balanced the squad as well, so. Yeah, it's. I, I won't let it. I won't let it bother you. To be honest, it's like let's just get on with our job and sneak up that table. And you know, the, I mean, the, the tension's always on the big six, isn't it? And if you look at the back page, back pages of the papers, it's always about City or United or Liverpool or Chelsea. Like, we never get a mention, do we? So I think it's just it's like that across the board, really.
0: Yeah, and the January window is encouraging um i thought yeah. we we made sensible deals and i <clears throat> i was a bit skeptical when they went in for two brackpon, but then when you realize chris wood's injured for two months you can see mm-hmm. actually it's the owner trying to give us some firepower where we might have needed it because um i don't really see divok or Rigi making a difference necessarily i know he had no, a lo- lo- lovely little
1: flick isn't it for that goal
0: it was i think nico made it better than it was because he absolutely ran through um uh, was it again i don't know but Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Right. We give anyone a little platform for final words normally. So uh, any final words from you, Ian, before we depart? I think you want to add? Um, If I can plug one thing. Um, I do a two-hour
1: show on a radio station called Happy Radio. Sunday afternoons, four till six. Um, Loads of like old tunes. So this week it's 78 and 76. But it's on Happy Radio. It's on DAB across the Northwest, and you can get it on your smart speaker play happy radio sunday at four
0: with me. excellent ah, so you never gave up on the the dj dream i always did something?
1: it as a little aside yeah so it's um yes yeah, it's, it's just good fun it's not it's not like a money spinner or anything it's just good fun doing it and i can just oh, it's, okay. the music i get to pick all the music i want so there's no interference it's just i record the show send it off to them and then generally it goes out while i'm working match a day too
0: Oh, brilliant. That's lovely. Good to to hear that. Right. uh, As ever, if you have uh, enjoyed this, do us a favour, hit like, hit subscribe. Consider becoming a channel member if you want and give us uh, a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. That would be great. We are back tomorrow uh, post-match after the Villa game with uh, Mark and Mikey and then Monday with uh, Prutz. Greg and Temps at 11am and we'll discuss whatever comes out of the Villa game and turn the page a little bit to Man United so do join us for that. Ian, it's been great to have you on, thank you very much No
1: problem, thanks for doing your podcast by the way I love it, every dog walk I do there's the little boy, I've always got your podcast on So, and I will become a member, there you go oh, Everybody you.
0: sign, thank up, you sign up Thank you very much Right, we shall leave it there uh, Have a good day everyone and we shall see you tomorrow, thank you